Here's a message from today's episode sponsor. This is ConveyMed, the pharmacy podcast network's continuing education platform designed for pharmacists. The future of medical education is mobile, and the Pharmacy Podcast Network is delivering pharmacists a brand new platform. Introducing ConveyMed. This is a superior mobile education experience designed for healthcare providers. We partner with pharmacists, physicians, and leading academic medical centers in the development of continuing education content. Continuing education developed by pharmacists for pharmacists. Download the app today. Search for ConveyMed. That's Convey M-E-D in the App Store. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey everyone, today's interview is special. It's brought to you by the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm really excited to have this. Uh, Our conversation today is going to be focused on digital health. We're gonna be hopefully talking about um, a few different things. uh, When we talk about digital health, we could be talking, for example, about, well, the the return of the sales rep, is that gonna happen? And everyone's talking about it, everyone's wanting it, but is that likely? Um, so if you're listening in, you should probably care about today's discussion because if you're in sales, if you're in marketing, if you're in medical affairs, this is all field force stuff. Um, are, you, are your teams going to get deployed back onto the field? And if they do, what is that going to look like? Our guest today is the senior partner at Finn Partners. He focuses on digital health. His motto, and I love his motto, is if it moves, digitize it. So our guest for today, Ritesh Patel. Ritesh, how are you? Good to, good to have you on. Ritesh, and thank you so much for inviting me. You know, I think we've been bombarding social media with this event today. So hopefully one person is going to join us for sure, right? <laughs> I, I guarantee I will be tuned in afterwards. So no guarantee the one. Thank you for but, allowing me to, to have this conversation with you today. Looking forward to it. Excited to have you. So, so let's talk a little bit about this. Let's talk about... The, the return of the sales rep. First of all, the idea of the sales rep, the model of the sales rep has been, if one is good, two is better. So let's try to get as many people in there talking to as many doctors as possible. And COVID is, has changed. I mean, doctors already were stressed about talking to people and now we're, COVID's changing even that. So talk to me a little bit about your experiences, what your thoughts are. We'll kind of go from there. Sure. I, you know, I, I hold some controversial views around this since I joined this mad industry 10 years ago, right? Because I was amazed at the model that's there. Yeah, I joined Inventive. That's how I got into this whole healthcare thing and the CRO side and the, the, the public relations side initially. And we were doing a lot of work around this. So, you know, what, what, what is it that we do? We get customers to provide our products to their customers. So it's a more a B2B to C play if you want to think of it from a pure marketing perspective. And then what, what I was fascinated with was in the pharma business that relied on people having relationships with individual doctors who would then try and find two minutes of time with somebody and say, hey, you should prescribe my product. It's better for these kinds of patients. Here's the safety profile. Here's the efficacy. Here's the dosing. 
et cetera, et cetera, then coverage and reimbursement and all of those things, right? But at the end of the day, it was all about me trying to get you to prescribe my products. And then all of a sudden, the iPad came along and we made iPad carrying messengers of these people, where now it wasn't about the relationship with the doctor, but let me show you what medical affairs and regulatory says I should tell you <laughs> of this little screen, right? Uh, and it just blew my mind that that's what we did when it's really about engaging with somebody to say, here's this thing that I have that is really good for these kinds of people if you are looking to give them the best thing ever. Right. Right. So it felt a bit car dealership to me, you know. Uh, and oh, by the way, here's some free samples. And I think that's where we've been. And if you look at a lot of the brand marketers that took on these roles as they progressed through their careers, it was really the rep. If you were a really good rep and you did really good revenue, you got promoted to be the brand manager. And it really wasn't branding or marketing. It was still very much tactical sales. So, so that's why I've been controversial and fascinated by this thing that's called the sales rep and carrying the bag, right? But, but that seems to be what every industry does. What do you think COVID has changed? I think a lot of industries have moved on already because there's a lot of stuff that goes around building your brand, making sure the attributes are there. Why is this brand better than this brand? And then the sales guys get the leads that they then follow up on to convert and, you know, and manage the relationship. Right. Right. It was the other way around here. The reps came in and built the brand for you, and then you decided what to do. That's the upside down of it, in my personal opinion. I'm sure there's a lot of people on this call who violently disagree with me, which is fine. So, so I think what COVID did in the last two years, two things. First of all, nothing changed. People still got prescribed medication, mm-hmm. even if the rep wasn't coming in. Maybe your market share dipped a bit. But the doctors were still, you know, doctors, what do they need? They want on-demand information. I remember uh, Merck in Canada launched a website called Ask Merck. It was a basic, basically a MedInfo website, and they launched it in February of 2020. When the pandemic hit and nobody could go see the doctors in Canada because of shutdowns and lockdowns and everything else, that askmerck.ca site blew up completely. Okay, Because the doctors were still looking for dosing information. They were still looking for efficacy information. They still needed product information. But guess what? It was designed specifically for one thing, getting a doctor the information they need within a minute. Right. On their mobile phone. Right. In a conversational AI interface. So doing everything a rep would do. And it just blew up, right? And that's the issue. It didn't change anything. And in some cases, maybe market share for Keytruda went up in Canada because they were the only ones who were providing content and information to a doctor, the customer, when the customer needed it without the rep having to go in and make an appointment and hang around in the waiting room for two minutes or walk down the hallway with you in a hospital with your iPad saying, look at this Keytruda is indicated for, right? And that's the thing that I'm sort of wrestling with. And I say to to most is, We're going to have to think of a hybrid world. And this is the hybrid world that I'm sort of imagining in my crazy head, which is traditional account management. We have these clients that are our big clients that we have to pay attention to. So let's make sure we talk to the formulary guys, the purchasing guys, and the prescribers. These people we want to get to, we can't get to because of do not call or whatever. Let's start with digital engagement. Let's give them what they need. Let's nurture them through a nurturing solution. Let's send. Let's not send an email to them saying medical information said, here's the three slides you should know about our efficacy. It's all around, hey, do you have patients 
can we help you understand our product? Will it be good for you? And then let me follow up, right? That sort of thing. And then these are the people that we can't get to for territory issues, travel issues, do not call issues. How do we connect with them at least once a quarter, once a month? And what do we tell them? It's not just one more email that, hi, I'm still here, right? So if that's the three-step approach, then you can start thinking about, can we get to see these individuals and maybe change the model at the top level around relationships and managing the relationships, getting to know the CEO of the hospital, getting to know the formulary people, getting to know how it appears in the dropdown of the EHR, and is it prescribable? What are some of the barriers that I have that you're going through? Prior auth is a massive one for those companies that require prior authorization, right? So what can I do to help you there? It's not just drop you into hub services and say, good luck, or send a thing to cover my meds or lash, right? So those are the kinds of things I think we'll have to focus on. And you'll find very, very quickly, you don't need as many sales preps. And digital can do a lot of the surround sound to drive leads and, and engagement. Which is, which is really interesting to me. So let's start with, you, you mentioned several different things we can talk about. One of them let's start with is chatbots. You, you talk about how, Ask Merck was very, very successful because they were able to engage. And to be clear, we're not talking about any specific website. It just happens to be the one just, we just an example, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's one of those things. Um, I serve on a couple of different boards, and, and one of the boards, uh, chatbots has become a very, very important piece that people are trying to figure out how to um, how to sort of deploy. What uh, and, the, and the group I'm talking to are medical information professionals. And they're struggling with this because on one hand, you want the information to go out to physicians so that they can make smart decisions for their specific patients. On the other hand, you're constantly worried, am I going to give out off-label information because that might expose me to multi-billion dollar fines if it's inappropriate. Um, in your experience, in your thought process, in this ideal world you're creating, how are they going to balance those two? You so first things first, if you assign the chatbot work to hub services and to the people who are taking calls in, in scripts, you'll fail because humans don't think that way, right? Think of you yourself as you may have an issue with, I don't know who your internet provider is. Let's say it's Fios, right? Oh. Fios has a bot. That bot is awful. You always want to go to the, to the human. I want to know this, this, and this. And right. so the first thing to do when you look at bots is not a replacement of something, is this is an additional thing I'm providing for somebody to have access to my company and my products and the things that I need them to know. They have to be treated as a concierge, if you was in a, in a five-star resort at the Four Seasons Hotel, who can get you anything you need when you ask the right questions. Second thing is the tonality and the voice of that bot. Most people take a script that they have in a call center and they put it on the bot and say, we're done. Check. Right. It doesn't work that way. We humans are not. I remember a company launched a bot, a very big fanfare, everything else. So me being me, glass of wine, midnight. Hi, I think I have diabetes and uh, will I die? And the response was, I can't answer that right now. Uh, call this number. So then I went, okay, does diabetes cause gout? And will I have to have my foot chopped off? Because those are the things I'm searching for, right? When I get this. Right. But the script's not allowing for that conversation. 
So that's the balance you're going to have to make is how much of it is conversational, what can I say, and then what can I do from an automation perspective to serve up that content second. We approach it the other way around. We'll go with the content and automation first and then think about the experience second. Did that make sense? It does. It 100% makes sense. But really, that's exactly – and now I'm putting on my lawyer hat, right, and I'm having this conversation. Yeah. And I'm going – you're 100% right. As a patient, that's the question I have. If I have alcohol and I have gout, is this going to be a problem? Exactly. As a lawyer, my, my first thought process is I am drug company X. I am not in the business of practicing medicine. If I start giving advice on I have uh, gout and I, have, I just drank alcohol, is this a problem? Am I now in that world where I'm going beyond where I should be? So, so what what I'm doing? I feel bad as the as a, as a patient. I want this information. As the lawyer, I am trying to protect the company and and destroying the patient experience, but to protect the company in a way that is productive. So, so talk to me about what that balance should be. How can lawyers do this better so that we address these needs? So let's go back to that uh, that conversation, right? Because the answer that was coming up was the standard answer that the lawyers or the medical and regulatory folks are saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like that, right? But who's the customer for me? So yeah. if I'm the pharma company, my customer really is the doctor first, the patient second. Yeah. So the what, what if the appropriate answer to my question at midnight with a glass of wine in hand was, look, can't answer that question because we're not sure what you've got and the entirety of your medical. So we would suggest you first call your doctor and have a chat with them. And, oh, by the way, here are three resources around gout and diabetes that may be of interesting to you, but please call your doctor first. That changes that experience dramatically from I can't help you call this 800 number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very simple. So this is what I mean when I say when you're engaging with humans, what we do in pharma, and it's fascinated me since I've been in this industry for 10 years, is outside when we're outside of our work, daily life, we're all humans. We do Google, right. we look at our mobile phones, we search on the internet, we consume TikTok videos. But when we get into our buildings and our day jobs, for some reason, a force field appears around our head that says, no, we're not humans. We're patients. We're oncologists. We're cardiologists. It doesn't work that way. We're humans first. So think of the human experience and the guidance you give to somebody, which you can do legally. Because that legal, the answer, if I came to you as my lawyer, yeah. that example, and I said, okay, Darshan, what I'm going to do is the canned response is going to be talk to your doctor because we don't know the entirety of your health. Yeah. Is that acceptable? Um, I, I would say 100%. That would be totally okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and then I, I love your, in my head, I kind of went, talk to your doctor, but till then, here's a TikTok video that'll keep you going. There you go. <laughs> Right. And it depends. Right? You could do some qualifying questions. I am stunned at how much TikTok uh, health conversations are on TikTok lately. It's been a little passion of mine weekends just consuming healthcare content on TikTok. The number of healthcare professionals building their own individual brands on TikTok is it, it's fascinating to me. And the engagement rates they're getting is absolutely fascinating. And these doctors aren't giving crazy snake oil guidance. It's proper health advice and wellness advice. Which is really interesting because I, I just read somewhere that um, probably about eight to 10 years ago, I remember reading, uh, someone, someone came to Google and there was an antitrust issue. And basically people were saying, 
Google, you're dominating the search space. And they said, we're really worried about voice. That's really our biggest concern. But I read recently that people are doing more and more searches on TikTok for health advice and financial advice, which is really blowing Google away because they're going, that's not where you should be going. So, um, but I think but, it's taking over YouTube more than Google. I think people still go to Google. I think the apples to apples comparison probably is YouTube versus TikTok. And there's a generation that is the TikTok generation, just as 10 years ago, there was a YouTube generation that was growing yep. up, right? So I think that's going to happen, no question. The, the difference is that Google contains uh, Google controls YouTube. Yeah. They do not control uh, TikTok. So that makes that really interesting. So, so what I hear you talking about is this is this idea that we need to improve that patient experience, improve that engagement, and um, to do that, you, you suggested this this three step process, if you will. Um, the step step one was that account management account manager process. But we've been talking about key account management for a decade. And there have been conferences I've presented and they're like, why do you think those have not been successful or as successful as they'd want? It's individual territory management as opposed to holistic overall customer management. Very simple. <laughs> okay, you, you, you want to explain what that means in, at a practical level, yeah. So you've got an IDN like UPM. UPM has got a multiple set of uh, treating things that they do. Right? They may have oncology, they may have cardiology, they have general practice, they have the ER. Each one is treated differently by individual sales managers depending on the brand you're selling. Yeah. So if I'm a pharma company and I'm in oncology and I've got five brands and I have, I can tell you a crazy example where working with somebody, they said, yeah, we've got all of the, the oncologists on the marketplace. And I said, really? So where is that database as well? The the X brand database is here. The Y brand database is here. The X the you know the Z brand database is here, and no, none of them will talk at all, right? So all of a sudden, so that's the issue. You don't have a complete relationship, and and I come at it from my last job before I got into healthcare was to do exactly this for Cushman and Wakefield where the CEO of Cushman and Wakefield went to, to have a meeting with Sam Palmasano at IBM, and Sam Palmasano at IBM told the CEO of Cushman and Wakefield exactly how much business he gave them and how many buildings that they were managing and what new factories that Cushman and Wakefield had done deals for globally. So the CEO came back and said, I do not ever want to be that position again. I want to know when I meet with Sam, not that we've got these guys in New York managing these buildings, these guys in Shanghai building a factory, these guys in London managing this. I want the entire complete overview of what IBM globally is doing with Cushman and Wakefield, and then individually by country and then by brokers individually. That's the same mentality we need to bring to healthcare. It's Right now it's a brand level siloed. So UPM gets 10 reps. Ask a doctor how many emails they get from one pharma company from a variety of reps with different brands. Yeah. Right? So if I'm a doctor and I'm getting a brand, you know, X, brand Y, brand Z, plus uh, Medinfo, plus medical affairs, all sending me, I'm going to send you to junk mail fairly quickly. But if I get right. one email that says, look, in the entirety of what we have, these are the areas we're working with you on. We'd love to talk to you more about this and this. That's a different conversation. So that's what I mean by account-based as opposed to territory-based or sales rep-based. 
I love that. And but you, you kind of raised the um really important point. And again, I'm I'm now putting on my compliance legal sure. hat as I start talking about this. Um I love the idea that you said, okay, you're getting emails from um from marketing and, and all every single product, then you're getting an email from medical affairs, one from MedInfo. Um and we always talk about that that Chinese wall, that that gap that separates uh, med, med info from marketing. Um, is your suggestion that to improve the, pay, the, the physician experience, uh, we need to do a better job combining those emails? And do you worry that that might cause uh, your, your med info messages to be mixed up with the sales messages and causing a misunderstanding about where it's going? Yeah, totally. And you're going on the right track. So there is a way to do it and there's a way not to do it, right? So you could get a holistic view of UPM. You could then get individually around UPM, the 23 buildings, and here's the oncology, here's radiology, and here's what we're doing. You don't have to mix up the emails, but you need to know in its entirety that UPM, 120 doctors engage with us. Of those 120 doctors, these are the guys who are engaging in this brand, this brand, this brand. And these are the people who attended six medical meetings this year where they tweeted about our data that we presented. Yeah. That's all you need to know. You don't need to mix up the content. You need to know the relationship. Then make a decision of how you engage with people based on that relationship. Again, we do it the other way around. I need to send this message now. Right. Oh, by the way, do we know this person? Wait, <laughs> they came to a minute. Oh, hold on a second. They're a KOL. I didn't know that, right? Right. That's the issue. So figuring out a profile. So the, you know, the way you think about it is uh, here's, here's the physician. And here are all the points we have that we're connecting to this individual. Mm-hmm. And, here, and you could create it as a dashboard even that could say, you know, they're, they're prescribing a lot of this, but not this. They're engaged here. They followed us on Twitter, you know, which is publicly available. And we've, you know, talked to them twice about being a KOL for us. Right. So, so it's, it's kind of fascinating because I'm thinking through this and it raises so many opportunities. Um, the, the, what, one of the opportunities it raises for me as I start thinking about this is sort of this digital dashboard of an individual physician and, and being able to see their brand and their profile. Um, and how do you use this to improve the, that, that engagement? You talked a little bit, for example, a few seconds ago about medical affairs and medical information and MSLs. Um, do you think that sales reps are further ahead than MedInfo and MSLs. Like one of the complaints I always get from uh, from MSLs and MedInfo is that the sales reps are are so, sort of doing their own thing and some of it is problematic, which makes me think, does that mean that you're not doing those things and therefore you're not as patient, uh, as client facing and, and sort of addressing those needs? So what what is your experience with that? I would say it's an issue around uh, incentives, right, and mentality. What is the reps, right? The reps are under a lot of pressure, no question. Everywhere you go, number of calls, number of territories, you know, daily updates, fill this in, send this, make this happen. MSL's goal is to make sure you get the right on-label guidance that you need to do your job. 
two different, completely different incentive schemes, right? Yeah. So you've got to build them together. I do agree that in some cases the reps are further ahead, but they have to be because it's their job. That's what they've been hired to do, is to get as many people prescribing your product as they possibly can, right? Whereby the And that's why I think it's a combination of you could raise awareness at launch of your drug in the marketplace, you could then send leads to reps based on that awareness and people clicking through to somewhere that says, yes, I'm interested. Or you could send it to an MSL first who then makes a call or a, 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 has a conversation with you, and then you send it to the rep. We, again, do it the other way around. We get the reps to be the first guy through the door, the girl through the door, where maybe you may want to, with some organizations, lead with MedInfo and MSLs first. So drive traffic to those folks first, let them vet you, let them educate you, and then say, hey, can I have a rep just come and see you? Would that so, be useful? So the, the concern with that from a legal perspective would often land up being, are you are your, um, are your MedInfo now working effectively as sales reps? Yes. Where they're driving sales. Exactly. Yeah, you've got to be very careful there, right, on the content and the, the conversation that occurs. It, can, it, it has to be very much around product feature function. If you, hey, I want to buy this BMW, right? Does it have a, a GPS thing in it? And what's the, yeah. is it four liters or six liters, right? That's it. Yeah. Oh, you want to buy it? Let me send you to this dealer who can sell it to you. Right. That's the analogy I would use. So, so what I'm here, and again, I I love the idea of it, but what I what I'm really hearing you say, without saying it, is we really need another level of quote unquote supercharged reps that we need to create who are um, informed more than more than the, the people trying to uh, build that relationship. These guys are the ones who are the product experts who can talk to you about your product, build build that initial connection and then connect you to the sales rep who will not hound you, but at least connect and follow up with you. And then use the, the, use the MSLs and MedInfo as sort of that, that backup product experts who can answer on-label, off-label questions, et cetera. Exactly. Exactly. So, Sorry, so to cut you off, but uh, and this is heresy coming from a digital guy who says if it moves, digitize it. But I, we used to do this, I understand, back in the 70s, where the reps were actually relationship managers first. They knew about, they hung out with you at the golf club, they sent you things for your birthday, they knew your family, they knew your daughter's name, all of these things. Yeah. And then digital came along, and as I said, we, we created iPad-carrying messengers. I would submit that there's a, there's a hybrid model there now, right, which is we want this rep of the 70s, but we want to give them the tools that are modern today to help them manage the relationship. That's what we really need to do. And that data is what will help them manage the relationship. If they know that you tweeted this morning uh, from ASCO about my data presentation, my right. conversation with you is different to, hey, can I have two minutes to tell you about the efficacy of my product? Um, it's, it's funny, you're, you're, you're talking about some stuff that, that I happen to be working on. So it's, I'm a hundred percent agreeing with you. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that offline, but it's, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think right now what we're missing are context-based conversations yeah. right exactly. now, what you really have are, um, one way sort of billboards, if you will. And I have information, I'm going to give it to you whether or not you want it. There you go. Um, 
So, so we're past time, but um, mm -hmm. this was amazing. And, and thank you so much for coming on. And I, I do hope you'll consider coming back on again. Absolutely. We haven't even touched on clinical trials yet. And don't even get me started on hub services and prior authorization. You know, <laughs> it's just, oh, that would be so much fun to get into. Um, thank you so much for having me. This is great. I, 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 hope, I hope you enjoyed it as well. This was fun. I had an amazing time. And I do want to actually say, for those people who are just listening in, because I know this will also be sent out on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. So how can people reach you? So you can send me an email uh, to ritesh.patel at finpartners.com. Uh, you can connect with me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is Ritters90. I engage there as well. Uh, those are two of the fastest ways to get hold of me. Uh, if you call me or text me, it'll be tough. Uh, but uh, uh, you're welcome to do so if you have my number and you're one of my friends listening to this. You Also, all feedback is, uh, is required and gratefully accepted. Um, I will also say you can find him at finpartners.com, and there's a bunch of information there as well. Thank you. Um, if you just want to meet up with Ritesh, he will be at the health event in Vegas where yep. he's doing a three-hour session on digital health investments for hospitals. And before we let you go, Ritesh, could you tell us a little bit more um, about um, what is that talk going to be about? Because I, I find I, – give me a quick recap, and I thought that was going to be amazing. So the event we're planning is how are you? How do you do? You know, how do you innovate within a health system? So, do you create your own fund and manage it and create a whole innovation hub? Uh, do you partner? So, do you create a venture studio and what does that look like? So, it's a partnership between you and some uh, external body that can help you do the venture stuff, or do you get a VC and help you just do the VC? So, the first first panel is a bunch of VCs talking about how they work with health systems. The second panel is a bunch of health system people who've created venture studios. So, from their experience, what were the goods and the bads of that? And the third session is a bunch of health system people who've actually created their own in-house labs. And how, how does that work and what do you do and how do you fund it and how do you get money for it and how do you scale it? So that's what we're going to focus on. So hopefully the next time you come on, you can tell us about what method actually works. Yeah. <laughs> Happy to. Happy that to. sounds perfect. Uh, any parting words? Parting words are, my, my biggest parting word is do not compartmentalize your customers. They're all human beings. So think of them as people first and oncologists and cardiologists second. I love it. Um, again, Rudesh, th thank you so much for coming on. This was amazing. Thank you.